Welcome to Career Revisionist with Dr. Grace Lee, dedicated to doers, dreamers, and realists who want more success and satisfaction in their life. This podcast is about answering one question. How can you build a fulfilling career where it's all about doing work you love and growing your income without sacrificing your values? And here's your host. Her dream garage has a Muay Thai punching bag hanging from the ceiling. Dr. Grace Lee. One of the reasons I always ask my clients before I begin to work with them is I ask them why they believe they're unable to move towards changing their career. So if... And, I, and I've received a lot of answers. I've asked a lot of folks and I always, and I'm noticing patterns, right? So say, I mean, how many of you have heard of the game Family Feud, right? Where, you know, you have uh, uh, one family pitted against, uh, competing against another family and you, the host reads clues and you're supposed to guess an answer. And if it's on the board, then, then your family gets a point, right? So if, if my, if my exploratory question, if I ask these people and that my the questions the answers they gave me were used as survey answers for that game on family food then fear would be the number one answer to what holds people back from going for their career of their dreams fear is the number one answer as they say in family feud it's the number one answer is fear the most common things that people fear are things like fear of failure you know fear of losing their income fear of taking risks Fear of the unfamiliar or the unknown. Those were the most common things that people fear. And of course, this is not an exhaustive list of possible fears to have. But even with this short list, it's already enough to create a seemingly insurmountable barrier to get started on a new career path. And so that's why most people don't. Because it seems so insurmountable. It seems like there's a lot more pain involved. You know, the pain of changing is a lot greater than the pain of keeping things the same. And that's where you have that that movement to stay towards the status quo. And here's the thing about that. I mean, that's why I wanted to talk to you today about what's happening in your brain when you feel that fear and anxiety during a career change, when you know your heart of hearts, your soul is crying out for that career change, but you fear you fear it and you have anxiety around it, what's happening in your brain? Human beings are the only creatures on earth who have that ability to seek out purpose, the ability to question our own existence and to recognize that we have important choices to make that direct our life path and our career path. Right, So we're the only creatures on earth that had that specialty. And that is a blessing. right? And so this, it's by this intelligence, by our nature of having this intelligence, it also creates scenarios that give rise to our feelings of fear and anxiety, right? We create fear and anxiety because we have this ability to question, as this ability to seek as well, right? And to the, also the ability, conversely, to gain more insight, So we have our brains, and if you look at the human body, there's nothing special about the human body compared to other animals and other creatures out there. Like, for example, we don't glow in the dark. We don't change colors to camouflage in the environment. We can't grow back our limbs if they were ever cut off, right? We can't regenerate our limbs. So there's nothing really special about the human body. It is as it is. It ages. It becomes frail. And some of our joints, like our elbow joints and our knee joints, are actually quite weakly constructed, right? So what's special about the human body is the brain. Our brains are the most intelligent decision-making machines when it comes to answering important questions about our life's purpose. 
and what we were created here for. And it questions its own existence, right? So that is our power, right? And, and that is our greatness all in one. But before we can reach the logical and our reasoning centers, you know, we have logical centers in our brain, we have emotional centers in our brain, we have rational centers in our brain. Before we can reach those, right, we have to first face the emotional recesses of our brain that also give rise to our biases, right? So every decision you make in your life and your career is first made by emotion. When you think about things that you didn't want to do, would you end up doing them? Well, no, you wouldn't. It would take you much longer. You would procrastinate. Everything that you have right now, everything that you choose to do is because you feel like it. Of course, I know that sometimes you're in a job because you have to make money to make a living, but that's a have to. But I'm saying that apart from those circumstances, you do things because you feel like it. So we are driven by our feelings. So the emotional part of our brain always comes first. So we buy and we choose and we make decisions on emotion. And then after the decision is made, then we provide a logical reason why we made that choice. That's when we can finally provide a rationale for that, right? But the problem is because that's how we function, the emotional part of our brain also you know, gives birth to biases. So we have a lot of biases. Decades of, of, of research into human psychology show that there's a lot of psychological biases, what neuroscience calls cognitive biases, that help that um, lead to mistakes in our decision making. Right? So these are called cognitive biases. And, and let me just expand on that a little bit. Our biases, they're inevitable. And they cause us to make mistakes in our thinking. We're making mistakes in our decisions. We make mistakes in our reasoning. In when we evaluate the situation, we make mistakes. And we make mistakes when we're trying to remember something. We're trying to recall something. And also we make mistakes in terms of our cognitive processes, right? When we are trying to think something through, we can tend to make mistakes that way, right? And all of it, all these mistakes are as a result of having biases that we can't that are there inevitably, right? And it's and it also results when we are holding too strongly on our own beliefs, right? Even when someone else or someone else from the outside is presenting proof that proves the contrary, or whether or not you are exposed to contrary information, sometimes our biases cause us to hold on to our beliefs so strongly that we refuse to believe even the truth. Right? And so that's another case where biases can occur. So why do they occur, right? Why, why do they exist? Why do we even have biases? And from a neuroscience perspective, from a science perspective, the reason why they exist is because our brains are taking shortcuts. But we have to, and it has to, right? The brain is taking mental shortcuts in when, when making a decision. And there's four reasons why shortcuts are taken, why, why we take shortcuts, right? And the first one is because there's just information overload. If you think about it out there, how much information is there out there? We can't possibly read all the information or gather all the information out there. So it's overwhelming, it's overload. And so our brain needs to filter. And when it filters, it makes mistakes, right? And it makes mistakes, for example, like how many times where you insisted that this was the truth because it kept you kept seeing it, you kept noticing it, right? And so what you notice is what you focus on and it confirms your belief. And so that is an affirmation bias. 
So when you start to repeatedly see patterns and that's what you focus on, because that's what that's what's been brought to your attention and you focus on it because it confirms your belief. And when something confirms your belief, you accept it as a truth. Right? And no longer becomes an exercise of looking at contrary ex- contrary information. You won't accept it because your biases lead you to believe that that is the truth because you've seen it more than once. Right? So that's an example of what happens with information overload is we need a way to filter. And the p- filtering process gives rise to uh, multiple different biases. Right? The second reason why these biases exist is because of our limited insight. Right? It's impossible to know everything. It's impossible to have all the insights on everything that we need to. Right? That's just not possible. So then we need to fill in the gaps. And our brain is constantly filling in the gaps of knowledge. And it could mean making stuff up. Not from an intentional point of harming someone. Right? That's, that's not the norm. Or intentionally making something up to get off on something. That's not the norm. It's just filling in the gaps to as as for example a if an effort to understand right an effort to understand or an effort to protect yourself right so you the brain fills in the gaps right because of limited insight so that's why sometimes when you are when you know if if there was a a witness to a crime you know and it happened so quickly or it happened at night and you couldn't really see everything you put that witness on the stand oftentimes the their, their brain is trying to be helpful and then but they don't have the complete picture because it happened a number of days ago or it happened so quickly and they couldn't catch everything because their attention was diverted or they were groggy or whatever that was but the brain will try to fill in gaps right so that's why um, they try to look for multiple witnesses you know because it that that is a, a bias right and the third reason why they exist is because of time constraints Right, you have so much you need to do, and there's a high demand on you need to act fast. So speed with speed, you make mistakes, and that's why biases happen again because you need to make a decision, you need to make it fast. So then that time constraints give rise and lend itself to these biases. Right. The fourth reason is having a limited memory. Right. You have a limited memory, so the brain needs to make trade offs. In terms of capacity, in terms of ability to commit things into short and long-term memory, there will be trade-offs in terms of what you remember, what you can recall, and that gives rise to biases as well. Right. So when you look at a career change, when you are in a career change and you're feeling uh, this fear and anxiety around career change, there's biases involved in that as well. So what I want to share is What's going on in there? What's going on in your brain when you're considering a career change? You know in your heart of hearts that this is something you just got to do. It's something that it's, you're ripe for it. It is time to change your career direction. It's time to grow your career, accelerate your career. Just make a change, right? And yet you can't bring yourself up for it because you're up against all these fears of the unknown or fears of failure, right? What's going on in your brain? What's going on are these cognitive biases that cause your fears to be associated with career change. It's an association. So there's three key biases I wanted to bring your attention and hopefully in doing so, you can see and you can see for yourself whether or not that is truly what's going on underneath the symptoms that you're feeling, right, of the problem and get to the core, the root of the problem. 
Okay, so here we go. The first bias is that the one number one is that you feel that it would be a waste of all the time, money, and energy that you've already invested. Right, so that's a bias, and this is what they call the sunken cost fallacy. Well, and it goes like this: Well, I've already spent ten years or seven years, or, you know, or fifteen years in this career path or at this company. I've already spent this time. Already, I've already invested this much money, or oh, how much energy I I I put in to get to this place where I'm at right now. It would be such a waste if I left and I did something different. Or it would be such a waste if I quit right now, and that's so it's a sunken cost fallacy. You feel like because you've sunken all that, all that time, resources, and energy in there, that it would be a waste of time. So many of my clients have gone through years of formal education and training to qualify for and to land the job that they're currently working in. So if you think about it, the number of years and dollars spent being committed to preparing for entrance to this marketplace is a major accomplishment. Which, which is often like the first milestone in someone's professional career. So it's no wonder that anyone who is invested in themselves for this career path would feel that it would all go to waste if a career change led to a completely different path. It's no wonder you'd feel like it's a waste. Right? So if you found yourself continuing down a career path that doesn't quite feel right, you know, only because you've invested so much time and energy going into it, right? then it's time to take a step back and to reframe. Right? It's time to let go of that fear of wasting. Maybe it's not a waste. Is it really true that it is a waste? What else could be true? Remember that everything in this world grows. Everything in this world changes, including your career. And not all projects succeed. You know, So when you have that reflection, is it true that it is a waste of time? What were, what have I, how have I won in my career journey so far? Everything that I've gone through, everything that I have committed to, everything that I've invested, that, that resources and time and money into it, what benefit has that given me in my career journey so far? And how could that translate to a new career direction or the new next level of my career? Right. So by doing this reflection, by doing this exercise, you're going to be able to ease your grip on something that you know in your heart is doomed that you know in your heart has to change, something's got to shift, right? So one effective way to accomplish this is by letting go process, you know, to accomplish this letting go process is to realize that your past costs cannot be recovered. It can't be recovered. Your money, time, and energy are already spent and they cannot be recovered. And it's okay. That is okay because investing in the past does not obligate you to continue to invest in the future. You can pause where you are, you can assess, and you can decide to change career direction, right? So sometimes what's at stake or what you believe is at stake is not as big as you had made it out to be, right? So the second cognitive bias, the second bias that is happening here is that you're seeking, interpreting, and recalling information that confirms your pre-existing beliefs, I mentioned it earlier, right? When you have an information overload, when you have limited insight, it's easy to be biased towards things that are affirming to you, right? Our faulty brains tend to get more excited by things that affirm us than things that negate us. So that means that we tend to reject things that contradict our beliefs, right? And so this could be perceived as having confidence, but it's actually an unconscious choice to see only what we believe 
in an effort to stay within our comfort zone, right? So it's, it could be seen as confidence because we're, we are so sure of ourselves that we're not accepting any contrary information. And we're saying, no, that's not true. I know it. I am confident. It could be perceived that way, right? And so that's where that reflection comes in handy when you are peeling back all the layers of that onion. Is it an con- unconscious choice to see only what we believe in an effort to stay within our comfort zone, right? And so many clients, they, they, I mean, I've seen this, they, they've hold, they hold these damaging myths about their career progress. For example, they believe that it's impossible to change career paths once you're past the age of 50, right? And the beliefs of this nature are so strong that the brain is going to seek affirmation about that and then they're going to be rewarded as being correct. But is it more important to be correct or is it more important to be fulfilled, Right? So that's one of the most damaging career myths is that it's too late if you're past 50. That's not, it's not possible to change career paths. Even if you're miserable, it's not possible to start anything new. Right? And so because of that cognitive bias, the, the belief you have, if you believe it strongly, you're going to seek for affirmation. You're going to seek for confirmation. And what you look for, you're going to find. So the, way to, so the way to get over that is to just take a survey of any strong beliefs that you're holding that lead to a more pessimistic perspective of your, of your career change. You know, t- just take a look, take a survey of it, flag it, and take note of the specific information that you collected. But what is it? What, what led you to that belief? What triggered that belief? Right? And then just go out and prove yourself wrong. What you're doing is trying to disconfirm your suspicions Right? And you do it only by being objective, seeking out and considering contradictory information. Right? And that is evidence-based. It's an evidence-based approach. So the third bias is that you, know, you, you might believe that you are somebody specific with a job identity that defines you as a person. Right? So most people see their career journey as this long linear path. You know, conventional wisdom defines job stability as being able to stay on this path for most of its entire length. You know, say you get a job, you keep the job, and you keep working at that job to hold that job for as long as possible. And that is how traditionally job stability was defined. But, you know, for those lucky few who also find this path radically enjoyable and naturally suitable, you know, they'd be actually admired for having struck gold, for having both stability and meaning in their career, right? But the state of our self-esteem, the state of your self-image and your self-compassion is actually depending upon the degree that you've had, that you've achieved this picture. You know, so if you're, so for example, let me, let me expand on that. Let me impact that a little bit. If the picture of job stability is having stayed on the path, landed a job, kept the job, and worked hard on the job and be able to keep it for a long period, long as, as possible. If that's the picture of job stability in your mind, then your self-esteem, your self-image, and your self-compassion will depend on that. It will depend on how successful you are at achieving that. The problem with that approach, right, is that today's careers, especially the non-traditional ones, are really not linear like that. They are not long 30, 40, 50 year tunnels. They're more like micro careers where you're constantly doing, it could be project based. They, 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 
career responsibilities, your role responsibilities are constantly evolving. Right? So they're not linear, especially the non-traditional ones, but modern day careers are not like that. And that, that picture of job stability doesn't really apply anymore to modern careers. So this conventional wisdom, what that's doing is that it's enhancing our delusion that what we do for work is a synonym for who we are as humans. But it's not true because you are not your job, you are not your work. Who you are is more than that. And if it is, if you've been having that bias that it is your identity, the result of that, right, the result of that is that anytime you yearn for a career change, anytime your soul is crying out for a career change, it seems like and it feels like a crisis, like an existential disaster. And that is the result of connecting it with your identity of you as a person. So the way to combat that is to recognize that the career landscape as it is right now, the modern career landscape is not just these straight paths of career. It's not linear like that. It's just, and it's okay. Really what it is, the landscape is like, you can think of it as like a a massive library, a massive library, a huge library. And you are there as a scientist Right? And you are there to conduct experiments to find what works. You have a hypothesis of what works. And then you go out and you test it with experiments. If you approach it from this perspective, that means you can design and implement it in any way that you want simply by following your own curiosity. So in a career, the problem is that most people don't play to succeed. They're just playing not to fail because of how fearful failure is. So if you play not to fail, you won't win. Instead, what you're going to get is just the illusion of not failing. Right? So let me know. I, I would love to hear from you. Go to, if, you, if you enjoy this, go to iTunes, leave a honest feedback, but also let me know what are your biggest fears or anxieties that you face when you're on the journey of, this, of a career transition. What are some of your fears? What are some of your anxieties? Share those with me. And of course, if you have any questions, leave those there too. Oftentimes, I love to just pick up questions from listeners and address those in a very unique episode of my podcast. So thank you again once again for listening to another episode of Career Revisionist. And I look forward to hanging out with you in my next episode.